Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right. It's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Gina Bria will join us to discuss hydration and water use. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world-famous question of the week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. Show. Well, hydration and water use are crucial to our well-being, but there may be other ways to achieve better health than merely relying on water alone. Well, joining us today to discuss this issue is Mrs. Gina Bria. She's a cultural anthropologist who's been researching ritual, ritual foods, and food strategies for over 25 years. She's founder and executive director of the Hydration Foundation, named a real-world scholar. She's a cultural anthropologist trained at Columbia University and a former Berlin Fellow with the Social Science Research Council. Uh, an innovator and inspiring speaker, her work has appeared in such diverse places as the New York Times, Grand Central Station, Harvard University, and Wissenschaftskollege Berlin. Uh, and her TED Talk, How to Grow Water, It's Not Only Blue, Is Green, is changing the conversation on water use. Uh, again, she's the co-author of the book, Quench, Beat, Fatigue, Drop Weight, and Heal Your Body Through the New Science of Optimal Hydration, co-authored with Dr. Dana Cohen. And Ms. Bree, I want to thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. I love science. I'm so excited to be here. Okay. Well, we're very pleased to have you on the program. Again, the book is entitled Quench, Beat, Fatigue, Drop Weight, and Heal Your Body Through the New Science of Optimal Hydration. And Chris, how did you become interested in this, in this topic? I was looking at strategies in desert communities and asking a very simple question. How come they were doing well, they were flourishing, without eight glasses of water a day? It just seemed like some, such a simple question. So I started uh, really looking at what were the hydrating strategies in the most extremist environments, that of a desert, all over the globe. They had different practices, but they were using one thing in common, which is they were not looking for water. They were looking for plants. They were getting a lot of their hydration through things like cactuses and uh, roots, uh, yucca roots, uh, foods that held water in a remarkable form. And each of these plants, although they were all different all around the world, you know, one would root roots, one would use cactus. What I noticed about each of these plants is that they had a high gel consistency. So I became very interested in trying to figure out, well, it's obviously the gel that allows better hydration and more moisture retention. So what what the heck is this gel stuff? And it was a great surprise for me to stumble on the information that this gel is actually the fourth phase of water, recently discovered by Dr. Gerald Pollack in his laboratory at the University of uh, Washington in Seattle. And the fun part for me was here I am like an anthropologist calling up saying, what the heck is gel? What is this stuff? And, um, and you know, let's have the conversation about hydration. And he's like, I have no idea about hydration. I am a basic scientist looking at the water molecule. And I can tell you that the water in the cactus is a, um, 
gel form of water, fourth phase, change in molecular structure, extra spin, super, super energizing, better hydrating. But, but I have, I have no idea how it works on hydration. I said, I'm like, well, all right, then it looks like we need to start working together because how about if we find out actually how we can use your science, basic science information to translate information to people who may need it in modern environments like my mom and her nursing home where she was suffering from chronic dehydration. Long introduction, but that's the progression. It's it's an interesting convergence of cultural anthropology, uh, research, ethnography, uh, basic science, and then the story was really motivated by my poor mom, 98 years old, sitting in a nursing home with uh, not drinking enough water, right? We all have this, a very common problem. And I was like, I've got to use this desert stuff I just found to help my mom. Fun wonderful and it really did work so well we have previously on the program had dr pollock talking about the fourth phase of water but i'm wondering if maybe you can give our audience sort of a little background on what is this fourth phase of water why is it so important why is it important particularly for hydration fourth phase water is a linking up of the water molecules so they become more tightly constricted they bond their hydrogen angle bond changes they release an extra electrical charge. That um, hydrogen bond starts leaping from one set of molecules to the other and creates a, a pattern of connecting that is in the hexagonal form. And that water just hadn't been noticed. It's been theorized for over, over 100 years, I think. It's been kicked around, the idea that really there's more phases than we're looking at. And it was just, uh, just so happened that Dr. Pollock was able to really document this. It's not as if it were new, like wasn't there all the time. It's just that we hadn't identified it. And he was able to do that. So that form of water has two properties we really need to think about. One is the chemical property of the hydrogen bond and the angles. And the second property is a physics property, which involves electromagnetic waves and new levels of coherence that happen. And why then that becomes really important in the hydration story is um, is twofold. One, again, the change in the, the consistency of the water becomes thicker. Uh, it can start, this uh, uh, molecular action can start with as little as a 10% increase in viscosity. So you may be drinking water that you may not even notice that it's, it's not a gel-like state at that point. It's just slightly silkier. But then it can build its connections all the way to something as deeply gel, gel, gelatinous as like a bone broth. So we're looking at that whole stretch of time as the gel function of water. And it is more moistening. There's no question about the fact that that, you know, that uh, gel form retains and holds water. It's more functionally moistening. But it has this additional extra energy, this electrical charge that is running throughout your whole system that allows information to get passed far more efficiently and quickly through our system. So not only does our nerves pass informa electrical information, our heart, our brain, but um, also this water is passing. Of course, we know water conducts electricity. For heaven's sakes, we've known that forever. It, it's just that we didn't know there was a kind of water inside of us that could pass electricity through our systems and energy and information much more quickly, and especially as it becomes more coherent. That's the interesting nexus between hydration and this new fourth phase of water.
This fourth phase of water is the one that's more common in our bodies. And is it possible then for the standard water that we get to transition into the fourth phase of water? Or do we have to have that fourth phase of water in order to nucleate or cause more, more water to become in that phase? Well, I think we'd be dead if we were just counting on uh, only drinking H3O2 or, or this easy water or structured water, ordered water, liquid crystalline water. It's got so many names now because we, we still haven't settled on what the heck it all is. I mean, there's a lot of research going on and people are naturally coming to the table with their own names for things. We just usually call it gel water or structured water, uh, easy or easy water in honor of Dr. Pollock and his research, that exclusion zone. And of yes, your body is able to take in uh, standard bulk water or H2O or liquid water uh, and translate that into H3O2. In fact, that's what your body's made to do in building it. However, if you're drinking high-quality water that's already been translated into this gel phase or you're eating a lot of foods that contain this gel water, which is what our book is about, is helping people get the idea that water isn't just blue, it's green, it's found, this state of water is found in all fresh plants that we eat, all the fruits and vegetables that we eat. Uh, and if we're eating a high fresh food diet, we're getting very well hydrated. Guess what ancient strategy used by peoples all over the world for you know a long time. So yes, you can drink just a glass of water and your body will work. It has to work hard to translate it into the H it has to work harder. But when we're actually providing our body through a high plant diet with a lot of this material, man, we are, uh, we're, uh, out there on the edge already. We don't have to work so hard or fatigue ourselves and our, our cells so much. So great stuff, great strategy. So in your book, you go through and look at different fruits and vegetables, uh, the ones that are the best in terms of providing this, this type of water. Which ones would you particularly recommend? Are there, are there certain types? Oh, Charles, you know, the, your book publishers want lists. Um, they want me to give like the top 10 hydrate, most hydrating, but the percentage difference is between like 92 and 94, 96 and 98. For heaven's sakes, just be eating a lot of wonderful fresh watermelon and apples and uh, arugula, beautiful greens, get some basil in your life. All this stuff is going to come in at over uh, 90% water. Most, most fresh food is 90% water in there and held in place by its fibrous content, which of course, if we're eating that too, we're helping, you know, uh, the, the amount, vast amounts of water that we're drinking today actually absorb. The fiber and the plants are very important for that. And then you're already getting that gorgeous structured water. It's already perfectly neutral, nutrientized, you know, uh, pH balance, everything you need. Mommy nature has set up for us to, to have to hydrate through food as part of our strategy for being optimally hydrated. Well, maybe on the flip side, are there, are there behaviors, things we eat that can dehydrate us more than? Yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> Well, now that I've given you a great solution, I would like to just point out some of the issues and the problems. So, um, you know, uh, pizza. <laughs> pizza is dehydrating. Okay, so am I going to ask you to stop eating it? No, I want you to eat one piece of pizza and have an apple with that. You know, have a beautiful piece of watermelon. Just like compensate. Make sure you're compensating for the metabolic need of your body to have the 
um, capacity of water's uh, possibility of uh, how it uh, dissolves the, the nutrient molecules have enough in there that can actually do its work and get those that beautiful nutrition to you. So, uh, you know, using food as a hydrating strategy has a lot of advantages than just like going out and buying uh, a super uh, expensive uh, but super interesting new water that tells you it's, you know, it's structured or whatever. Uh, yeah, do it, you know, but spend your money on some, you know, really good food. Stay away or compensate. Eat protectively. If you're going to eat a big piece of chicken, um, you know, Make sure you have a huge salad with that or get a salad into your life, you know, through a smoothie, which is a fantastic way to get very high volume hydrating foods into your system in, you know, one glass. Great. Beautiful. The other thing I want to really alert your readers to is that um, pharmaceuticals, aspirin, Tylenol, all of these um, pharmaceuticals take a lot of water to demetabolize and get in your system. And you might hear, you know, take two tablets of, of aspirin and a glass of water. But what you really need to hear is two tablets of aspirin, two glasses of water. You need almost twice as much water. So there's a lot we're doing that we're intaking that's affecting our hydration and we're not paying attention to. And as an ethnographer, that's really my job, right? I'm, I'm supposed to be looking out at us as a culture and identifying what our new environments look like, what they require of us. So one other aspect I'd really love to share with your listeners, Charles, is that our modern environments are far more dehydrating than just an outdoor life. Uh, and we've got to compensate for that. And that includes uh, living uh, with the knowledge that we need to be hydrating ourselves more than we were even five years ago. For example, the amount of electrical, electronic devices we are, to, are exposed to every day, that cell phone is dehydrating dehydrates you on two levels. One, uh, your stress level when you get constantly interrupted by the phone produces more chemicals in your body that require more hydration to dis disperse them. Secondly, you're, we're all leaning forward on our phones, right? Texting, you know, the synovial canal down the back of our neck becomes compromised like a hose, a garden hose would be if you were cranking it. So our fluid flow system is affected by those phones along with the need for more hydration. So, yeah, big issues, important to us for us to look at hydration in a really new way. Looking at different cultures around the world, are there some that are better hydrated in terms of uh, their diets? And is the level of hydration going down across the globe? Right. Yeah, the level of hydration is being compromised by the type of modern lives that we're living. But when we go, of course, we look at the blue zones, right, where these people are having high longevity. What are they doing? They're eating uh, fresh food diets. They are living lives that have stress compensation, a lot of social socializing, a lot of contribution, feeling purposeful. And then the big one is they are moving. So way important. We wrote about it in Quench. Half the book is devoted to the other half of hydration, which isn't just getting hydration into you through a high fresh food diet uh, and paying attention to what's dehydrating you and eating protectively. But you have to distribute that hydration within you. And our body is made as a hydraulic pump to actually pump that hydration further into our system through our fascial system. A lot of interesting work on in the book on the fascia system and why that is really the irrigation system that we hadn't noticed. And if you are sitting all day, 
and that you are uh, have very little. You're, you're on a, your airplane. Airplanes. You're sitting there, right? This, this is not a jet lag issue. It's actually you're just basically walking into a dehydration tank and setting all the percentages up for you to walk out of there totally fatigued. So when you don't move, it's it's part of this dehydra- extra dehydration now we have to cope with. And I love telling people even small movements, just, you know, moving your chin as you're talking on your phone, moving your chin over your shoulder or, uh, you know, standing up and walking around while you're on that phone. All of those are going to contribute to a higher level of function through hydration because you're moving. Isn't that cool? If people want to learn more about this uh, in terms of there's resources that they can look at. Oh, I'm so glad you asked that. Please come and visit us at thehydrationfoundation.org. What we do there is serve as a hub to disseminate all this new information on uh, the fourth phase of water, why it's important to hydration, how to help your mom in a nursing home, what kind of activities you can be doing to, you know, to add those small micro movements, we call them, throughout the day. Who Who's doing other research like this? What are the papers? What's the science behind it? So that we serve as a hub to help you understand how you can step more deeply into this really exciting new territory. I would like to say, Charles, before we close, that according to Dr. Pollock, by molecular count, we are bodies of water and we're 99% water. Just having that bit of information to walk out of this today and think of yourself differently is, oh, my God, I I really am a body of water. I'm going to have to pay attention to my um, liquid levels or my uh, hydration levels in order to function as that level of a water body. Super cool. Great way to think about it. Well, we're just talking with uh, Ms. Gina Briam. She, along with Dr. Dana Cohen, are the authors of the new book, Quench, Beat Fatigue, Drop Weight, and Heal Your Body Through the New Science of Optimum Hydration. And uh, Ms. Briam, I want to thank you very much for joining us today on the Grox Science Show. I enjoyed this so much. Love sharing and spreading this stuff. Come see us at thehydrationfoundation.org. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at groks.net. For Grok Science, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.groks.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking.